the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the ancient world, it was said that all roads lead to Rome. Sadly, that idiom has been carried forward into a spiritual sense. And while all roads may have led to Rome at one point, all roads do not lead to heaven. As we'll see next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. It doesn't take long listening to TV and radio to find out that there are many ways that people will tell you you can get to heaven. Sadly, there is only one way. It is a true gospel, not a false gospel that many false teachers promote. So how do you know true from false? Well, that's what we're looking at in this little mini-series called The True Gospel and False Teachers. We're in part two today. We invite you to stick around as we learn about the true gospel and false teachers. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose with today's edition of Abounding Grace. We have been studying the seven basic tenets of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the first five verses of our text, Paul is reminding the church of Galatia and churches today, of the gospel, of the uh, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that the Son of God suffered a most horrible death so that the sins we deserve to suffer in eternity of hell for would be forgiven. And instead, we would be blessed with an eternity in the glorious presence of our triune God. And he is also telling us these things to prepare us, his people, to defend that gospel against those who were bent on modifying it and to keep us from being deceived by false teachers. So today we're going to look at what our attitude should be and must be toward those who would twist any of these seven tenets. But before we do, let's look again at these tenets of the gospel quickly. First of all, in verse 3, we saw that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace and peace. And that grace is unmerited. It is undeserved, unearned from God. It is not something you can ever earn. And you are never worthy of it. It is God's favor upon people who deserve it. His wrath. He is a God of grace and mercy, and He offers rich blessings to those who forfeited any right to those blessings by their sin. In fact, one of those blessings is, as we see here in our text, peace. There is no real peace outside of Christ. Because the Bible says that before a person becomes a Christian, There is hostility in his heart for the living God. And 
there is also anger in God's heart toward us. So reconciliation has to take place before there can be a bestowal of blessings upon any of us. But we can't reconcile ourselves to him. So God gave up his son, Jesus, to death to make peace between himself and us. That we might be reconciled to him and be his friend and have his peace placed in our hearts. Secondly, we saw that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that originates with the triune God and not with man. It says in verse 3, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In God's grace and mercy, he chose from all the fallen human race an innumerable throng of people upon whom he would bestow his love and his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ and save them from their sins. Had God not made that initial choice, none of us would ever be saved. None of us would ever choose Christ. None of us would want anything to do with him if God had not first chosen us and changed our hearts from a love of darkness to a love for God. As the word of God says, you didn't choose Christ, Christ chose you. Third, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a gospel for all kinds of sinners. Verse 4 tells us that Christ gave himself for our sins, and that our is Paul, the author of this epistle, along with the recipients of it, the churches of Galatia, and you and I. Remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church. And the Galatians, as well as us, have committed every sin imaginable. Yet he saved us by his grace. There is no person too evil, too wicked, or too base for God to save. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all sinners who will turn from their sins and embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior. Fourth. The gospel rests alone on the sacrificial and redemptive death of Jesus Christ. We see this in verse 4 where it says, Who, Christ, gave himself for our sins. Christ laid down his life as a substitutionary sacrifice to die in our place. He suffered our condemnation, the death that our sins deserve, so that we might be reconciled with God, something only the God-man could accomplish. Fifth, we also see in verse 4 that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ delivers people from this present evil age. And Paul is talking about this age of wickedness, this great mass of fallen humanity that is in rebellion against God. He's talking about the diseased, corrupted human race that wars against God and his created order of things. God has pronounced a curse and a condemnation upon this whole age in which we live, upon the rebellious cultures and individuals, and that curse rests upon them. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross that his chosen people would be delivered from that curse, that condemnation of God that rests upon this present evil age. Romans 8.1 tells us, There is therefore no condemnation, no condemnation of any kind whatsoever for those who are in Christ. For the curse that we deserve, the Lord Jesus Christ bore on himself in our place, delivering us from the curse that rests upon the rest of the human race. Six, the gospel is a gospel that is rooted in the sovereign will of Almighty God the Father. Verse four, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. One of the emphasis of the Bible is that our deliverance from sin in this present evil age is not according to our own will. The majority of church members today, though, are followers of a man that we talked about last week, Jacob Arminius, who at one time the entire Protestant church condemned as a heretic. He taught that Christ did the work to provide man the means to be saved. But it is man who wills. It is man who chooses and decides if he will accept Christ or not. It is not on what God wills or what God decides, they say, or what God chooses. And yet the emphasis in Scripture is totally on what God wills decides and chooses and there are many texts in scripture that i could point to support this fact but let me just remind you of john 1 verses 12 and 13 let's say as many as received him to them he gave the right to be the children of god even to those who believe in his name who were born or born again, not of the blood or of inheritance, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but who were born of God. In Old Testament uh, words, those who were sovereignly chosen by the will of God alone from first to last. Seven, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a gospel that has as its goal the glory of God. Our text says that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory, which is to glorify forevermore. Amen. The ultimate goal of Christ's gospel is to glorify our almighty God. It is not to glorify ourselves for taking some measure of credit for our salvation. Let me ask you the question that I asked you last week, which is actually a question you need to ask yourself. Can I sing with all of those around the throne of God mentioned in the book of Revelation saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive the power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing of him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood and made us kings and priests. So to God, the Father and Christ Jesus, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Well, those are the seven basic tenets of the only gospel that will ever do you any good. But there are false teachers who modify the true gospel, and they try to draw us away. So what must be our attitude toward those who modify any of these seven traits? Well, that is what verses 6 through 10 are about. What should be the attitude of a Christian toward those who modify or change any of these seven tenets? Let's take a look. Verse 6 and 7 describe a reoccurring problem in the church of Christ throughout its history. Paul says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. A gospel that doesn't take seriously these seven tenets, which really isn't, he says, another gospel. You know, there's no such thing as another gospel. The word gospel means good news about God from God. And if someone is offering you another gospel other than this one that has these seven elements in it, it is really not good news at all. Because, beloved, there is only one gospel. There is no other. Verse 7, which is really not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So after spelling out these basic tenets, Paul says, I did that because you have a problem in Galatia, a problem that has continued in the church ever since, beloved. And that is, verse 6, some of you professed Christians have deserted the true gospel. It says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by his grace. And here the use of the word desert is not too strong. The Greek word there means, and it is a military term, to transfer one's allegiance. And it is referring to the Jews in the military. So that those who modify the gospel taught by Paul are traitors and dissenters. They are people who for a period of time lived like Christians. You would think they had a great future in store for them in the church. And you might be looking forward to some of them being leaders in the church and teachers and godly parents. But something along the line, somewhere, they deserted. They became traitors of the gospel of Christ. They began modifying it. They found themselves dissatisfied with one or more of these basic tenets, and they walked away. Will any of you? It will be interesting in 10 to 20 years from now if any of us will desert the gospel. Others have. Many others have. And I'm not simply talking about deserting RHC. But these people deserted the gospel because in some measure they became dissatisfied with one or more of these basic tenets. You see, someone got to them. 
Someone pampered their pride. Uh, someone said, this gospel over here is better. And it'll make you happier. And of course, then you can leave the church that you're in feeling good about yourself. They just rose up and deserted. I wonder if any of us will desert. Next year at this time, when we look at this congregation, I wonder if there will be any deserters, any traitors who leave for one reason. They grew dissatisfied with the seven essentials of the gospel of Christ. My friends, it has been a constant problem in the history of the church. But you know what is amazing to me is that word quickly. Paul even said, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him. Within days or weeks or perhaps a few months after being taught the gospel by the apostle Paul himself, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit and who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, they abandoned the true gospel. Surely, a church is going to stay faithful, you would think, if they had a Holy Spirit-inspired apostle teaching them, right? But within a very short period of time, after having taught by Paul himself, there were professed Christians in the churches of Galatia who were seduced to false doctrine and led astray. Let this be a warning to us, beloved. We must be on our guard and hold fast to the faith to the very end of our lives. We can never rest. We may never let down our guard. And as Calvin said, it would be better that the world should sink and perish than that the gospel should be overthrown. Listen to the words of Martin Luther. He says, he said, it takes years to build up a little church to be rightly ordered. And when it is so ordered, there creeps in some mal brain. Yeah, a very learned idiot. And he in one moment overthrow all. So great is the weakness and wretchedness of this present life. And so we walk in the midst of Satan's snares that one fantastical head may destroy and utterly overthrow in a short space all that which many true ministers have built up in years before. You see this on every hand. The Presbyterian Church in the USA used to be a bulwark of faith. You could go all over the land, everywhere there was a Presbyterian Church USA, and you could go into that church and know that there would be the undiluted gospel preached. And now in that once great denomination, I doubt if there is even one congregation in which you can go to hear the undiluted gospel preached. We are so weak and frail. Ministers of the gospel can labor long and hard. And in just a very short period of time, a congregation can be swept away. Will you ever be swept away? 
Beloved, there are churches I never thought would fall prey to a false gospel. But they have. So I ask you to please be on your guard so you will not be drawn away by a modified gospel. Remember these seven tenets. What is the evil of being seduced by another gospel? Listen to what the book of Hebrews says. Believers comprise the house and the family of Christ. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Take care, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. You think today you are a sound Christian. You think you are. You have no reason to worry in and of yourself about your spiritual state. And yet it is perfectly possible to be self-deluded. So take care, Reformed Heritage Church, lest there should be in any of us who this day are convinced about being faithful Christians, lest there be in us an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. Encourage one another day after day, lest any of us be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Back to Hebrews. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast to the beginning of our assurance to the end. For we must pay much closer attention, says the writer of Hebrews, to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I ask you, beloved, is there anyone in this room today drifting? Are you beginning to drift? There was a time in your life when you just loved spiritual things. Your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ was more faithful. Your love for your spouse was deeper and more consistent. You were a devout Christian. But over the past weeks, or maybe months, or over the past year, you have begun to drift. Well, once the drifting starts, believe me, it is difficult to stop, but by the grace of God. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It has been a reoccurring problem that there have been deserters in the church. And the reason it is so evil is because those who have turned to other gospels because they don't like one of the seven tenets of the true gospel have turned to some other gospel that are not gospels at all. In fact, any gospel that modifies any one of these seven tenets is not the gospel at all. The gospel is a gospel of grace and peace, and grace always comes before peace. The gospel is a gospel that originates with the triune God, not with man. God always takes the initiative. It is a gospel for all kinds of sinners. It is a gospel that rests alone on the sacrificial and redemptive death of Jesus Christ. It is a gospel that delivers believers from this present evil age. It is a gospel that is rooted in the sovereign will of Almighty God. And it is a gospel that has as its ultimate goal the glory of God. When anyone modifies or changes 
or turns away from any of these basic tenets, they deny the grace of Christ. And but for the grace of Christ, there is no salvation. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 